As a way of honoring the gospel, please stand as I read John chapter 14, verses 23 to 29. Jesus answered him, Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but it is from the Father who sent me. I have said these things to you while I'm still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it occurs so that when it does occur, you may believe. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you for reading that, Shelley. It's, um, it's interesting to me that uh, one of the things that's trending on Facebook is Daniel Berrigan. Daniel Berrigan died uh, yesterday. I think he was 94. And um, I felt led to just tell this brief story about him. The one time I met him, I was at a lunch at Drew University. And at this round lunch table, similar to the round tables we have down in Rada Hall, um, there were maybe eight of us there. I was sitting next to Daniel Berrigan, and across the table was Governor Tom Kane. And I thought to myself, first of all, how did I get here? And only God could arrange such a table to have Dan Berrigan and Tom Kane. During the meal, I remember asking Father Berrigan, I said, uh, I, I said Father Berrigan, he said, oh, cut it out, call me Dan. Dan, you have been arrested so many times. You have fought for social justice in, in so many decades, and you have seen relatively little change. How do you keep doing it? And he put his salad fork down, and he looked around the room as if he was going to tell me a state secret. And he leaned over to me, and he simply said, Vodka. <laughs> and, and then he picked up his salad fork and started eating again and he said you know Jeff I, I say that tongue in cheek I don't do this stuff because I want to see the world change I do this because it's right hmm. that's always stuck with me because sometimes Christians we need to do things not because it's popular, not because it will sway people's minds. We do it because it's right. But discerning what is right is not easy. And that's why we need each other. That's why we need the Church of Jesus Christ. That's why we need the Holy Spirit who can help us and guide us to discern that which is right. And so today's scripture is Jesus it's a farewell discourse to his disciples that only his disciples hear and those who wrote it down generations later and those who hear it now in the context of 
Christian faith. And it's a foreshadowing of Jesus saying, I am going to go, but the Holy Spirit will come and will lead you to the truth, will guide you to what is right, will teach you everything that I have said to you. Now, when I was in seminary, I read and heard and was taught that the Gospel of John was probably written between 110 A.D. and 120 A.D. Now, the scholarship says that the Gospel of John was probably written between 80 and 90 A.D. I don't know what they're teaching now at Drew. Is that about right? I see you nodding, Micah. 80 to 90. Whenever that was, we know that the community of Christians were beginning to gather in house churches. And it's important for us to know this context. The house churches were Christians who would gather sometimes in the cover of darkness, sometimes to hide from the authorities, and then they would gather at the synagogue. Well, there was a tension in the Johannine community which was probably in and around Ephesus. And there was a tension between whether we are Christians or Jews or Jewish Christians. And many of the house churches who would meet to study together, to pray together, to support one another in trying to follow Jesus together were being kicked out of the synagogues, in certain synagogues, because they were at odds. They were arguing with theology. The things don't change, huh? We still argue about theology. And so the Johannine community remembered certain aspects of what Jesus said and certain aspects of what that tradition was. And hear this in that light, where this community of faith was wondering, where is our home? We're no longer welcome in the synagogue. We're not quite sure where our home is. Jesus says to them, whoever follows me, the Father and I will make our home in them. This is sometimes referred to as the the divine indwelling. Isn't it interesting that the praise band sang about that? Greater is the one who lives in me than the one who lives in the world. They were re- that song recognizes the divine indwelling of God. You've heard me tell this story before, but it's a wonderful illustration. A friend of mine was on a spiritual retreat in a community where they have a tradition of a hermitage, which is a little house or a building way out in the woods where one or two people, mostly one, are called to a, a a life of prayer where they stop speaking with one another and they devote their whole energy to communion with God and prayer for the community, prayer for the church. My friend was walking through the woods in the vicinity of that hermitage and he saw the hermit coming towards him on the path. And so my friend got out of the way. He didn't want to disturb the the hermit's prayer life. The hermit broke his silence, ran over to my friend and said, look, you're a preacher. You have the opportunity to tell people, would you please 
tell everyone you can that God is not out there. And then the hermit went back into his silence and kept walking. Do you see what he was pointing at? The indwelling of God. God chooses the disguise of, of us. If we claimed that, we would think differently about ourselves. If we claimed that, we would think differently about one another. If we claimed that, we would think differently about everyone we serve out there in the world. We would be walking on holy ground and recognizing it. We would be seeing the divine in each other. And we would be engaging the holy one within us. And it would change the way we pray. You know, I, I know that I, I don't think I'm alone when I say I struggle sometimes with being silent. I struggle sometimes even when we practice centering prayer. And I know some of you have shared with me that it's not easy for you either to be silent for a few moments. We want to do something. We want to run. We want to be distracted. We don't want to deal with whatever's going on within us. That's part of our human struggle. But the next time we practice centering prayer in a few moments during our prayers, that may be the time when we can engage the one who said in the Gospel of John, the Father and I will make our home in you. This may be one of the ways that we live into the prayer that we have been praying, make us one with Christ. We're already one, but we just may not recognize it yet. A few weeks ago, um, I went across the parking lot to the middle school for a, an evening program that the Board of Education offers to, to parents. It was on mindfulness. Were any of you there? So the school system in Chatham is teaching mindfulness at every age level. I find it wonderful and refreshing and, and, and hope-filled to encourage our children to be silent at various points during the school day. Now, the school system is doing that for academic reasons because what people are discovering is people can take in more information if they rest their brain for a while, have a, a nap, if you will. I know some of the kids are actually going to sleep for a, a power nap during mindfulness. Maybe that's exactly what they need. Maybe that's the purest form of meditation. What I was amazed with at that night was there was about 150 adults in the auditorium at the middle school to learn about mindfulness. What that told me is that there is a hunger out there, a spiritual hunger, to find ways to ground ourselves, find ways to discover peace in the midst of great, stressful living. And it also taught me that maybe our church and the church of Jesus Christ is poised to share the resources that we 
have that have been entrusted to us centuries ago. If the church doesn't teach that, God will use the schools. But here's the difference between mindfulness, which is being taught at Google. You know, two years ago, Father Lawrence Freeman spoke right here for about two hours. It's on our website about centering prayer, contemplative prayer. He's one of the leaders in the world about this and, and, and a profound Christian. He's being contracted out by Google to teach Google mindfulness. Now, he frames that in a way that is not as God-centered as he would here. Someone sent me an email in our congregation that their company, a Fortune 500 company, is offering mindfulness classes to their employees. Do you see what's happening here? There's a movement of the spirit that's way beyond the church. But here's the difference between what we offer and what the schools offer in teaching mindfulness. When we're talking about centering prayer, we're not talking about emptying our mind or clearing our mind or quieting our mind. Our tradition, in the Christian tradition, is inviting the believer to engage God, the Holy One who is within us. Not only that we might discern the truth or be encouraged or hear a word of peace, but so that the wounds of a lifetime can be healed. The wounds of a lifetime. What does that bring up? Centering prayer, the hope is that God can heal the wounds and hurts and pains that we have experienced throughout our lives. That's some significant work and some significant gift that God can give for us. But briefly, this is also what might happen. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit to his disciples and to us and to Christians of every age. And it is the Holy Spirit that opens doors for us that Jesus referred to as the advocate, the comforter, the one who will come alongside the paraclete, who will advocate for us, but also who will help us remember what Jesus said. Jesus said, I will send you another advocate, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, and the Holy Spirit will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. And then Jesus says what maybe the Holy Spirit wants us to remember today. Peace I leave with you. My peace. I give to you, not as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not let them be afraid. Peace be with you.